Hey, podcast family, I have with me Kara. Kara, you've been a physician now for all of a whopping, what, two and a half, three months? Yep, two and a half to three months, that's correct. You know, going through the whole medical school thing, I mean, what a burden. I mean, honestly, fantastic, super good, congratulations. So Kara's one of our uh, uh, one of our interns, we're on call at the hospital, but I had a quick question as a random point. So have I given you any answers? No. All right, so very quickly, tell me... Um, is chlamydia a reportable STI? Yes. Okay. Just to say it if you, right off the bat, right? That was a hesitant yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Is it sister infection Neisseria a reportable STI? Yes. Excellent. Um, is HIV reportable? In other words, you draw your lab. Oh my gosh, or HIV, you do appropriate counseling. Do you have to notify the appropriate uh, county health for tracking? Yes. Of course. All right, so we're on the track, right? Is TB reportable? Yes. Obviously not an STI, but go with it. I'm trying to set up something. <laughs> All right. A couple of things, though, that are, are, are kind of question, uh, bring up some questions. Is herpes an, a reportable STI? No. No, and she's right. And the reason is, oh, my goodness, we'd be reporting everybody. All right? And because if you've ever had a cold sore, you got herpes. All right? So I've had a cold sore. I have herpes. Is that too much to put on the podcast? Someone's going to edit that out, Kara, and just replace that and, like, sample yeah. that. Chop has herpes. <laughs> cold sores. Cold sores. All right. So here's another one that we're going to wrap it up. All right? You're doing great. Uh, so trichomonas, right? Trick vaginalis. Is trick an STI? Yes. Of course. For sure. Uh, Is trichomonas reportable to uh, county or state authorities? No. Now, how did you know that? That is correct. Mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? So let's stop there for a minute. Is it a little shocking that trich actually has a much higher incidence and prevalence over gonorrhea and chlamydia? Actually, over HIV, thankfully. But trick is not reportable. So n- without any prep, look at that. You see the quality of our interns here? Just for you to know, no prepping. She got that right. Because I've asked others, just so you know. And the answer is, well, I, I don't know, isn't it? I mean, it's an STI and it's not. So where's there a disconnect? That's why some experts have actually published that we have a, quote, neglected STI, end quote. And that's the topic episode uh, for, for this uh, podcast episode. So anyway, Carrie, you did great. Thank you for playing along. Thank you all. All right, we'll get into our topic next. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Let's get into trichomonas. Ah, I know that was cheesy. And some of you have no idea who that was. That is the old Run DMC. Do y'all remember that? That was back in the day. That's a great song. Yeah, it's tricky. I know it's tacky. I know it's immature. And I love it. So there you go. Yeah, it's tricky. Not trick like in trichomonas, like tricky, like trick or treat. Why am I explaining this? Like, it doesn't need explanation, does it? Let's get back to the episode. I think before we go any further, I need to just be clear about what my kind of irritation is with with trichomonized vaginalis, okay? Uh, Irritation with it. (laughs) Ha ha, no pun intended. (laughs) No, what my concern is with this. My concern is that uh, this is a problem. Uh, It's passed as an STI. It causes real morbidity, especially in women's health. 
but it's not considered a reportable condition. That's all. That's the focus of the episode. Why is this not considered a reportable issue like gonorrhea or chlamydia, okay, or syphilis? And, and by the way, thankfully, those are, I mean, and we should be doing that. But why is this not considered a reportable condition? That's my beef. Of course, if a patient presents with vaginal discharge or weird pelvic pain or you, you're, she comes in for her pap and like, ugh, there's a strawberry cervix with frothy discharge, I mean, check it. I mean, thankfully, that's what a VP3, the Affirm card does, or stick with the old school microscopy. Do something, but include trick in your symptomatic patient. That's easy. But specifically, why this is not considered a reportable issue is the focus of this episode, okay? Hence the neglected STI title. Part of that issue of it being not reportable, inherent to that, is the lack of screening guidelines. So we get the idea that, hey, somebody presents with really weird, itchy discharge, and it's not yeast, and they have a strawberry punctate, hemorrhages, uh, cervix. Yeah, I mean, look for trick. Ding, ding, ding. That's no brainer. But what about screening? If the majority of patients, like gonorrhea, chlamydia, if the majority of patients with trick are asymptomatic, um, and may mistake, you know, abnormal discharge for normal vaginal discharge, um, is this a gap in our uh, overall care of women. That's what I'm trying to get at here, all right? So everybody gets, and I'm not ignoring the fact that somebody who presents with weird vaginal discharge, you should be including trichomonas as that diagnostic eval for symptomatic patients. But screening, remember, includes not just the symptomatic, but obviously the asymptomatic, and here's where there's a gap with this condition. Oh, no, snap. Don't even get me started on mycoplasma genitalium and genitalium because that's a whole other issue. So I'm sure some of you may have looked at the title of the neglected STI and go and thought, oh, this is about mycoplasma. No, it's not. Maybe we can do that on another episode. Actually, wait a minute. We did cover mycoplasma and genitalium uh, back like 2019, I think it was. But there's new data on that as well. Uh, but no, I'm not focusing on that. We're focusing on trichomoniasis. Trichomoniasis vaginalis is the most common, curable, non-viral sexually transmitted infection in the entire world. So let's say that again. The most common, curable, non-viral STI across the globe. In OB, it's associated with premature rupture of membranes, preterm birth, and low birth weight infants. And in gynecology, it's associated with PID, infertility, and increased risk of HIV acquisition. Like all STIs, trichomoniasis is transmitted through sexual intercourse. An individual gets infected by having sexual encounter with somebody who's got the condition. Typically, the infection gets transmitted through vaginal penetrative sex. But remember that it's also possible for women to get infected through intercourse with another woman through vaginal contact or through the use of devices. The idea for this topic came from a recent patient encounter where a university student presented for STI screening. That's great. So, of course, I congratulated her in taking care of her body and coming in for testing. Then came my usual questions. All right, so you've heard about gonorrhea, right? Yes. You've heard about chlamydia, right? Yes. Okay. You've heard about HIV. Yes. Excellent. You've heard about hepatitis B and C. Yes. All right. We're on the roll. And I said, and you've heard about trichomonas. Trichomonas what? And that's where the entire bus ride completely came to a stop. And I'm like, you've never heard of trichomoniasis or trichomonas or trick? 
nope. And so I thought, well, this is interesting. I mean, how do you know about the others? Well, everybody knows about gonorrhea and chlamydia, uh, HIV. Um, okay, uh, that's fair. But but trichomonas, uh, like she had never heard of it. Now I'll give her some benefit. I mean, she wasn't like a science major. I mean, she's something like economics or something. But but still, I just found it interesting. I'm like, oh, well, we're, we're going to check for this as well. Uh, and then she said, oh, is that through blood work? Uh, no, no, it's again, it's, it's a vaginal swab. So we went down that whole road. But that's where I got this idea for this episode. I'm like, man, I think there's a public lack of information uh, about this condition. And, and this has been uh, written about in commentaries in the past. We do a great job about looking for gonorrhea, looking for chlamydia. Uh, and those are the right things to do. But we're actually missing an infection that is much more common than both of those combined. And so if your thought is, well, wait a minute, if, if it's more common than both of them combined, then why isn't there any, any screening guidelines? Aha, and that's the catch. <laughs> See, there really is this kind of this gap between not just uh, public information, uh, but also in guidance regarding this. We know that this thing is out there. We know that this thing is potentially linked to some issues, but but it doesn't yet meet the criteria, which is the whole purpose we're doing this episode, on reportable conditions. Notice I said not yet because it, it is possible to change. There is a momentum here, especially as it relates uh, to two main words, all right? And I was going to get to this later, but let me just tell you what those words are, which is healthcare disparities. Everyone now has a flashlight and putting it on things that are potentially a gap in healthcare for certain populations. That's called healthcare disparities. And trichomonas is actually one of those conditions. See, I find this interesting because for all the talk that we've got, right, where's the walk? Do y'all get what I'm saying here? So, oh, we've got to fix healthcare discrepancies, uh, healthcare disparities. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I take care of those patients. Uh, some of my family members are in that group. I mean, those that are otherwise will fall into the crack. Uh, and, and we need to do something about that. That's one of the things, let me just say here, guys, why I'm so passionate is because uh, just be careful what you say or what, how you think about somebody else because it, it could be you, it could be a member of your family. I mean, look, man, I've got... Let's just say it. I, I mean, I grew up in lower socioeconomic. Um, I, I've got, you know, family members that, that just, you know, paycheck to paycheck. They, they try to get on top and it's just difficult for them. Uh, they uh, are Medicaid patients, the ones that nobody else would want to take care of. Some of those are my family members. And, and, and I take that to heart. That, and that's just remember, guys, if you're fortunate and, you know, you've got things and you know where your meals are coming from, that's that's. That's great. I mean, that's, there's some people who don't have that. I'm not being soapboxy. I'm just trying to tell you that the, if we're trying to fix healthcare discrepancies, let's do something about things that are discrepant in certain populations. There was a, a article that was published just last year in 2022 in the Journal of the National Medical Association that put this into perspective. And regarding trichomonas, the title of this commentary is Trichomoniasis, a new look at a common but neglected STI. Do y'all see that? See, there's that word again, neglected STI in African descendant population in the U.S., a review of its incidence, research prioritization, and the resulting health disparities, end quote. Now, so let me just say this right off the bat. The summary of this is, 
um, why are we all talking the, the, the talk and not walking the walk? That's basically what this 2022 from February 2022 publication, which is the exact same thing I'm saying here, is trying to get at. All right. So there is this gap in not making trichomoniasis reportable. That's enough about that. Let's get on with the rest of the outline. Do you want a completely random and non-helpful clinical pearl? Uh, well, you better say yes because you can get it anyway. Well, here it is. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, cattle trichomoniasis, cattle trick, yeah, that is totally a reportable sexually transmitted disease of cattle. Well, at least it is in Texas, which is my home state. Yeah, cattle have trichomoniasis. Oh, on an unrelated note, I read this weird article. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. But did you know that koalas get chlamydia? Yeah, koalas actually have chlamydia as one of its their main causes of death. Wow, is that wild or what? So yeah, thankfully we're not koalas uh, or cattle, although beef really is very tasty. And if you're vegan or vegetarian, sorry, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but mm, that's some good food right there. All right, so anyway, so cattle trichomoniasis in Texas is reportable. Random fact, but yeah, it's not so much reportable in humans. Is that weird? I think that's weird. Trichomoniasis has been found in every continent and through every climate without showing any significant seasonal variability. So Steve in Australia, it's in Australia too. We've got buddies in uh, Italy and Sicily and the Middle East, and it goes on and on. You're not immune to trichomoniasis. Your patients are likely at risk to get this. Although in the U.S., it is discrepant based upon race. We're going to talk about that in a minute, all right? Uh, and if you're asking, is there any animal vector for this? No. Humans are the only natural hosts of this. And look, we were still learning stuff about trichomoniasis. On July the 23rd, 2021, the STI treatment guidelines were updated by the CDC to replace the previous 2015 guidelines. The CDC STI treatment guidelines were updated for trichomoniasis at that time as well. Remember, we're talking about July 2023. That's just two years ago. The most significant changes that were made from the previous were that the first line recommended treatment for trich vaginalis used to be metronidazole two grams orally in a single dose because compliance was much better. That makes sense, right? And in that same line, Tindamax or Tinidazole was also recommended at two grams orally in a single dose. And that was the same for both men and women. But in the 2021 update, the first-line recommended treatment changed and was separated by sex, recommending that women stay with the treatment course of Flagyl 500 milligrams BID for seven days and that men adhere to metronidazole 2 grams orally as that single-dose recommendation. And if you're thinking, well, wait a minute, that kind of sucks. Why do women have to take it for seven days and men can do a one-time treatment? The short answer is yes, that does suck. I mean, that's not fair, is it? Well, the reason is very simple. Men kind of self-treat every time they go pee, right? Because they're infected in the urethra. Whereas women, even though they can't have infection in the urethra, they do not self-clean or self-dilute the amount every time they avoid because it's left into the vagina. So that's why it needs a seven-day treatment course because the vagina can act as a reservoir, whereas in men, it's still the single-day dosing option. 
Now that we've updated the treatment guidance per CDC in 2021, let's get back to the numbers because the numbers really are kind of striking here, okay? So the, the main take-home is, remember, most prevalent non-viral STI worldwide. And in the U.S., those are a lot of numbers. I'm going to put it in perspective here. I'm going to compare it to chlamydia and gonorrhea in just a minute. And we're going to throw in syphilis in there just to be fair. But in the U.S., get ready because this really is going to blow your mind or it should, right? The incidence of trichomoniasis is 6.9 million cases. I'm going to, we're going to review what incidence and, and prevalence means again, because some of us, it's, it's hard to keep those straight sometimes. But the incidence every year of trick is 6.9 million. Crazy. Don't worry, I'm going to put that again into perspective in just a minute. Because trichomoniasis is not a reportable disease and there's no recommendations available for general screening for trich, the epidemiology of trichomoniasis has largely come from population-based and clinic-based surveillance studies. But those are limited, again, because there's no guidance of, of who to check this condition for. And, and that's a gap. We should have this as a stopgap public health measure. Listen to the CDC statistic here. The U.S. population-based trick vaginalis prevalence is anywhere from 2 to 3% among females having intercourse. 2 to 3%? Are you kidding me? Now, that's high. According to the CDC's own, quote, incidence, prevalence, and cost of sexually transmitted infections in the U.S., end quote, that's a fact sheet. The prevalence of TRIC is 2.6 million, while the prevalence of chlamydia is 2.4 million. Gonorrhea has a prevalence of 209,000. The incidence of trichomoniasis is 6.9 million, whereas it is 4 million for chlamydia and 1.6 million for gonorrhea. All to say, if you take a look at those individual numbers, trichomoniasis is at the top of the list. As a reminder, incidence is a measure of the number of new cases of a characteristic that develop in a population in a specified time frame, typically a year, whereas Prevalence is the proportion of that population who have a specific characteristic in a given time period. Either way, remember that trick beats GC and chlamydia. I like the schematic or the visual of how I was explained how incidence and population work. So if you think of a bathtub holding water, that entire number represents the prevalence Incidence is a dripping faucet that's dripping water into that prevalence, and that's how you can discuss incidence is the amount of new cases that are added at a certain amount of time, whereas prevalence is the entire tub of water, it's the entire population, the proportion of that population who have that specific characteristic in a certain time frame. Oh, and just to be in fair balance and to be inclusive of syphilis, we can't leave syphilis out, right? Syphilis has a prevalence of 156,000. You're like, ooh, syphilis? Those numbers are kind of low. Yeah, I, I, yes, but remember, it's the rate of growth year after year of what those syphilis numbers have been compared to the past. So syphilis is still a watch out infection because the rates keep growing year after year. 
Before we leave this quick discussion on numbers, those numbers, we have to just say it right now, are likely underrepresented because a lot of those stats come from microscopy studies, even though we've got much more sensitive techniques, both molecular techniques and nucleic acid amplification tools. But historically, all of those data, all those numbers came from microscopy, which is fine, but of course, it has some limitations. So even the CDC's patient education brochure on tricks states, quote, trichomoniasis is considered a neglected parasitic infection, one of a group of diseases that can result in serious illness among those who are infected, yet the burden and impact remain poorly understood, end quote. So if you're thinking, wait a minute, if the CDC is saying it's a neglected infection, why isn't it a reportable issue? There is an answer for that. I don't like it, but I understand it. There is a published reason or rationale why trick is left off that list. And I'm going to explain it here in a minute. And it kind of is a disconnect, to be honest. Let me just give a little summary without going into the seven criteria, which we're going to in a minute, of what makes a disease a communicable infection reportable. Uh, because we know, again, that this is largely uh, linked to bad things in obstetrics. It can cause infertility in women. Uh, it, it makes it easier to get other STIs, mainly HIV. And we're going to talk about that again in just a minute. I get ahead of myself, but I just can't help it. Um, why is it? What's the harm of just reporting it, making it reportable to, to a, a, a county, to a state? Uh, and the truth is there's a lot of logistics that goes in there. Uh, and, and I'm going to explain that uh, in just a moment. Um, but th this is where there may be a disconnect between, on one hand, we know this is bad. Hey, we got to do something about it. Uh, we're not doing enough. Everybody gets that. Nobody says, oh, trick. Ah, we're, we got that beast under control. That's nothing. Nobody says that. That's not true. So on the one hand, we have th this acknowledgement. And on the other hand, we've got this kind of rigid box that diseases have to bow in front of and, and to see if they get entrance into the club of reportable conditions. All right. Uh, now, of those seven, trick meets three of those seven criteria. I'm getting ahead of myself. I just want to let you know where we're going with this. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, let, let's get to the hard-hitting stuff here to explain why currently, as of 2023, trick still remains the neglected STI. Trichomoniasis has been acknowledged in the recent decade as being more important than previously thought, especially, of course, in the world of women's health. But still, nonetheless, the majority of people who have the condition, like at 70%, either have minimal or have no genital symptoms at all. And, and this is why untreated infections can last from month to years. Like, ah, oh, that, that can't last years. I mean, the vagina self cleans itself, right? Um, for some things, but there is published data where women have been followed. Oh, you've got trick, take your medicine. Oh, I never took it. Yada, yada. You go on for months and then years you come back and like, oh, you still have trick. So it is thought to be persistent potentially from months to years. But, and this is exactly one of the obstacles for getting it recognized as a reportable contagion. That's that 
this condition is is it kind of a big deal i mean it's kind of mostly asymptomatic the short answer of course especially as we talk to somebody in women's health is yes it is a big deal and i'm gonna give you those numbers in a minute and even for men because in men it has been linked to some other complications that i'll tell you about again coming up in just a few seconds but but this is the catch here is that hmm i wonder if if men really had some more severe complications from this would that then get put on the list no, I'm not trying to make it that kind of discussion, but it just makes you think, right? I mean, trick is not on the list of reportable conditions because as of right now, it only meets three of the seven criteria that's used as a nationwide uh, consensus uh, of who should get these data tracked, these numbers followed. And yes, I'll give you that again, as I mentioned, in just a few moments. Trick vaginalis can cause reproductive morbidity and has been reported to be associated with a 1.4 to twofold higher risk of preterm birth, pre-labor rupture of membranes, and infants who are small for gestational age. T vaginalis has also been found to be associated with a twofold increased risk for cervical cancer in several meta-analyses. Another meta-analysis of six studies reported a slightly elevated but not statistically significant association between T vaginalis and prostate cancer. T vaginalis infection is also associated with a 1.5 to twofold increased risk of HIV acquisition and is associated with an increase in HIV viral shedding. So you see, if you listen to those things, you're like, um, I'm sorry, and, and why are we not screening for this again or reporting on this? I know, I keep saying it. I'm going to get on it. I'm going to tell you in just a minute. But I need to repeat this kind of disturbing fact. There are no established T. vaginalis screening or surveillance or control programs in the U.S., and that's either for men or women. And because of this limited public health response, T. vaginalis, as we've already stated, and as is the title of this episode, has been called the neglected STI. I, I know I'm kind of beating this down, I mean, to a pulp here, but, but I don't want to lose that issue here. It's great to screen for gonorrhea and chlamydia, and we should do that, and HIV and hep B and hep C, totally legit, and syphilis, of course. But this idea of, of potentially missing trichomoniasis when you're screening for STI is, is a gap. And that's where I'm going, okay? That if your patients do present for STI screening, um, if all you're screening for is gonorrhea and chlamydia uh, vaginally, then we're missing, you're potentially missing uh, this viable uh, uh, condition, uh, vital condition that needs to be uh, rectified. Now, the CDC, just to be clear, does have one group of individuals where it states that these people uh, should definitely be screened and do it annually. Anybody know that? Anybody? Whether they're symptomatic or asymptomatic. That's HIV-infected women. That's the one group where the CDC says, hey, look, you need routine screening here for symptomatic and asymptomatic HIV-infected women, uh, both at entry to care and then annually thereafter because it does increase, of course, viral shedding. So that's a public health issue. That's great, but, but that's pretty much it. It does throw in this other little freebie of, hey, you, you could consider, you might could, uh, maybe think about it, and these other populations, all right? So here's what the CD says. In addition to annual regular screening in the HIV-infected woman, the other populations that could benefit from screening are those in high-prevalence settings like STI clinics or correctional facilities. 
They also state that you might consider, quote, in asymptomatic persons at high risk who have risk factors including multiple sex partners, exchange of sex for money or drugs, use illicit drugs, or have other history of STIs, end quote. Just throwing that out there to be complete. As we get ready to start to wrap this up, Let's get to the why. So why is this not considered reportable? Well, that was a question asked by Christina Munzi in her publication in 2018 in the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases. That article title was, Why Does Trick Vaginalis Continue to Be a Neglected Sexually Transmitted Infection? End quote. That's great. That's exactly what we're talking about here. And again, of course, I'll post this reference uh, in the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases on our reference list. And while some things in medicine do move fast, other things are at a standstill like this debate because Christina Munzi was not the first one to ask this. Almost an identical article with older stats was published back in 2011 by Susan Landon. And she had a commentary that was titled, quote, should trichomonas vaginalis be a reportable infection, end quote. So from 2011 to the Journal of Clinical Infectious Disease in 2018, nothing changed. And in September 2023, it's still not a reportable condition. Doesn't it seem like it's been forever that I've said, I'm going to get to the criteria of what makes something reportable. Well, I'm finally here. (laughs) Hey, I'm just following the outline. Well, no, that's not true. I went rogue like three times in this whole episode and not followed the outline, but I'm back on it. There's a set criteria for what is deemed a reportable communicable disease, and that criteria is set by the CDC. There are seven elements to this criteria. Of these seven elements, T. vaginalis is said to meet only three of the seven. Those three things are frequency of infection. Second is associated disparities or inequities. See, that's a big thing right there. I mean, everything in medicine is right, right? Healthcare disparities, inequities. But this thing is going on just as it is. That's the second criteria that's met. And then the third is communicability. See, public health. Why do you have to use all those fancy words? Communicability. Oh, it's just so fancy. Just say transmissibility. I don't know. Passability. Uh, chances of getting it, doing the horizontal mumbo. I mean, there's other ways to say communicability. I can't even, that, that word, I'm looking at it right now, communicability. If you use that on Scrabble, you'd like totally win. All right, so frequency, associated disparities or inequities, and communicability. Those are the three things that are met out of the seven. Four are unmet. That is, the first one is the problem, right? Because it's severity. No trick doesn't get severe. Now, it could be part of a severe infection like severe PID, but in and of itself, nobody has like a whopping large, you know, we have to go into the hospital for trick. And that's one of the issues that unfortunately, it's so uh, under the radar that it's allowed to persist. Doesn't that just seem wrong? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I get it. But severity is one of the the criteria, and that's an unfulfilled criteria for reporting. The next one is associated costs. We don't have any of that data. We don't have, or we don't have a, a good amount of data to see how much this infection costs, uh, costs the healthcare system or costs the nation. Next is preventability. Yes, it's preventable. Let's safe sex, but we don't know if there's national programs that are going to be effective uh, to prevent that. Now, again, that's to me, that's a weird one because 
hey, if you give public information out, if you make campaigns about it, I think it would be something. What's the harm of doing that? But because it doesn't meet the could this have a, a response if we had a preventability campaign that gets that gets falled out of interest, that, that falls out of the list. And the last one is public interest. So preventability and public interest are interesting because those are two specific criteria here that Trick doesn't have. Well, how are you going to have public interest in it if you don't have a national campaign to give it some interest? So it's, it's kind of a circular argument, isn't it? But the four criteria that are not fulfilled here by TRIC are severity, associated cost, preventability, and ironically, public interest. You see, this is one of the big gaps, as I mentioned before, in academic medicine, I guess, or, or public reporting and boots on the ground taking care of people because, right, for as much as... Uh, people complain about, and it's a good complaint. It, we we need to fix this, especially in my patient population. I mean, I my patient population uh, go, go falls through the cracks so often that we're there with their safety, and I'm thankful for that. But but how do you fix healthcare disparities? I mean, we know that this is much more common in Hispanic and African American women, predominantly African American women. Um, that why are we putting more attention to this, uh, or even it's specifically in that population? Let's do something uh, to help prevent these issues. And I find this interesting. Hey, now we have no medication for preterm birth. Right, McKenna is out the window. Um, well, who has a higher rate of preterm birth? Well, African-American women. Who has a higher rate of trichomoniasis infection? Based on statistics, it's African-American women. Why isn't the CDC going, hey, we got to take a look at this. We know that trich is associated with uh, preterm birth and pre-labor rupture of membranes, especially preterm. Maybe we should consider looking for this thing. So I just, I, I don't understand that that disconnect. Am I the only one kind of seeing that? I don't know. Anyway, send me a message. Let me know what you think. But let's get ready to wrap this up. The CDC does say that we've got some things, some bullet points here that we can hopefully address to try to get on top of this thing. And if we get these things addressed, then maybe then it can move up to a reportable condition. And that's what we need. The CD says, quote, what more is needed? The first is the U.S. needs to have a better estimation of the burden of disease, including accounting for asymptomatic cases that can lead to improved strategies for reducing that burden, especially in those with health disparities, end quote. That's a lot of words. All to say is it sounds great, right? Oh, let's get better estimation of the burden of disease. Let's reduce health care disparities. Well, make it reportable. Seems pretty easy to me. But what do I know? The next thing that the CDC says that's needed is further investigation of the role of T. vaginalis in HIV transmission as a public health measure. Great. I agree. Let's do more research for that. The third thing the CDC says that we need ongoing education for the public regarding steps that people can take to keep them healthy and avoid trichomoniasis. Well, where is that education? I, I, I don't really see it. Or I'm not aware of it. See, once again, you can talk a good game, but where is it uh, on the ground? The fourth thing the CDC says we need is the development of new treatment options, especially for people who have antimicrobial-resistant infections or for those who are allergic to the antimicrobial medications that are available for treatment. I'm 100% for that. Let's do it. And the last bullet point the CDC says that we need is... 
Quote, the U.S. needs continued epidemiological and lab support for efforts by key stakeholders, including state and local health departments, to prevent the spread of trichomoniasis. End quote. Um, what? I mean, see, that's where, I mean, that's where you, you, you have so many fancy things to say that my answer, I'm the guy who raises the hand, right, in the middle of the meeting and goes, what? What are you talking about? We need more continued epidemiological and laboratory support for efforts by key stakeholders. No, we just need to look for it. You need to look for it and you need to educate about it. Uh, just like we did for gonorrhea and chlamydia and HIV, we need to get that word out that there is a neglected STI out there, especially uh, in the African-American community and in Hispanic population, or else we're just never going to get ahead of this thing. I, I just I don't understand the, hey, let's fix health disparities talk and then there's this big gap the elephant in the room for this neglected sti which is trichomonas vaginalis all right podcast family this was not what i was supposed to do today i was supposed to cover a study about serial labs in gestational hypertension monitoring as an outpatient and I'll do that next, I think. I started doing that, and I'm like, man, it's kind of boring. And then I remembered my patient. Uh, we'll call her patient X, uh, who came into our clinic just last week. and was like, what is trichomonas? I'm like, you know what? We've got to do our part to try to get the word out and educate. Not forget trichomoniasis in your screening for STIs, especially African-American patients uh, and those who the CDC says may be at higher risk. Um, just trying to do my part to end healthcare disparities. Ah, uh, there you go. There's a magic catch words. All right, everybody, as always, we're thankful for you. We hope you found this interesting. We're glad you're part of our podcast community and we'll see you in another episode of Clinical Pearls.